Hi everyone, you're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. You can look up more about my own music at niagaramoonmusic.com. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to tell you about an upcoming Niagara Moon show. Thursday, August 31st at 8 p.m., we're playing at the Parliament Tavern in West Seattle with Sarah St. Alban and Heather Edgley. Free admission, 21+. plus. Got the whole band together for this one, so it should be a good night. RSVP through the link I put in the episode description. For episode 23, we have Jared and Dominic Cortese, two brothers that together make up the quote-unquote muscle-pop band Electric No-No, formerly known as the Jesus Rehab. Originally from the Midwest, they both now live in Seattle and have been playing music together here for nearly a decade. Jared plays guitar, piano, and does lead vocals, and Dominic is the drummer. They have been described as a groovy Japan droids and a major key Led Zeppelin. Their latest release is the EP Rain City Blue and was produced by Jared's wife, Julia Massey. It has some of their best and most polished sounding songs to date. I'm gonna play a track from it now called Two by Two.
You guys ever done a podcast before? Mm -hmm. You have. We've definitely done a few of them. A few, okay. Like at least two, I think. Sure. We've been a band for seven years, though, so yeah. yeah, lots of beers in between. <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to some people who have been interviewed a few times, or even more than a few times for like newspaper or over the phone or like for a website article. But a lot of people it seems like they haven't encountered podcasts specifically yet, but. Well, we have. Uh, you guys are ahead the, of the, There's a the guy curve. at uh, Cairo Radio who does podcasts. Oh. And we, we go on yeah. his show from time to time. So. What's that called again? Um, the mixtape. Sean DeTori. Other than that, I think we've done a couple, but. Hmm. This is our first in a bedroom. <laughs> Living room. Living room. I was going to say kitchen. <laughs> no, it's, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some combination of that. Yeah, thank you guys so much for coming over on this obscenely hot day. Hopefully, only a couple more weeks of this. A couple more weeks? I was hoping like a couple of days. Uh, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> no way. I saw the forecast. Hopefully, the smoke will die down. In yeah, a couple that's supposed to go away in a couple of days. Yeah, like, you just wonder, <laughs> what am I breathing? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm living in Los Angeles or something. Totally. Um, so, when did you guys start playing music? Well, we're brothers. Yeah? So, so, you grew up together? Yeah. We did. Yeah, we're seven years apart, so I, I um, started before him for a long time. When I was in high school and he was in junior high, I'd say. I started when I was about 15. Hmm. Yeah. You didn't play anything before that? Uh, not really. No. Oh. So did you guys first start by just playing together? No. No. You were in different projects we really for a while. We just like, I'd like write songs and he, Dom was a drummer and I would just force him to like play drums and like tell him what to play and it always end up in a fight <laughs> um so it didn't really there wasn't any real music making going on until um he moved out here after college 
Oh. And those first couple of sessions were all after we had already been playing on our own for a few years. I played in bands all throughout high school, so we had different styles coming into it, which is probably why we clashed a little bit. So what was uh, more your style, Dom? Um, I would say I started to come from an acoustic folk rock place. Real, real simple drums, real just like basic beats, just backing up the guy who I was playing with, you know, when he first started making music. Um, yeah, it was just because we were buddies, we wanted to do it. And so we, he was really into the Goo Goo Dolls. So I, I like started doing that, but I really liked uh, a lot of rock records. Um, I like Trey Cool from Green Day. I like Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins. Like Jack Irons from Pearl Jam. So that's where I wanted to be, but I was like grooving on this acoustic train for a while. Hmm. And it wasn't until like the end of high school where I, I was able to like play some more rock. But and then when I moved out here, I played exclusively rock for a little while. And Jared, what were you playing starting out? That was mid '90s late 90s uh so a lot of the same stuff i think dom got a lot of you know a lot of his like uh rock taste from his older older brothers so me and our older brother mm -hmm. definitely shared your record collection yeah, yeah and if i'm being honest um our parents are super religious so it was a lot of influence of like all these like terrible <laughs> christian bands too for a while that definitely had to overcome because uh, that was all we were allowed to listen to for a long time you know this like super inspirational like uh, high drama ballads and whatnot um but at 14 our, my older brother i remember introduced me to a basket case by green day hmm. and that and he was like you need to listen to this i remember being appalled appalled <laughs> by Offended. it for, yeah but then like secretly like really into it but i think one of my friends made fun of me or something so then i was like motivated to like pretend that I was into it and eventually that became like a real oh. a real thing and then you know kind of got into all the bands uh, that were going on then and whatnot so yeah and then in school I studied jazz so kind of got this blend of like Duke Ellington and Miles Davis and uh, Charlie Christian and the bebop guys and then all my you know my rock background I think that has really influenced my writing. Hmm. Dominic were you always doing uh, drums is that what you started on? Yeah. Yeah, always kind of doing drums. I, I tinker around with piano and guitar, but um, definitely started on drums and still doing it strong. And Jared, you were always the guitar guy? No, I started on piano when I was a kid. Uh, and I went to school for the first two years on piano. Um, but I had started playing guitar at 14 as well. I just on my own and then I switched over to guitar after two years of college. I thought that was more fun and I wanted to learn jazz. so. Uh, then trombone too, but I we had a party at. I shouldn't be saying this if my parents are gonna hear this. Oh, I can edit this out if it. Something, <laughs> there was something that right. happened where a book a bookshelf fell on my trombone and that was the end of that. Ah, <laughs> well, that stopped what could have been a uh, promising career in the, yeah, yeah. the trombone world. And I remember, yeah, I didn't want my parents to find out that it happened, so. He kicked it in. <laughs> no, I made up some story about how I, I left it on the driveway and my older brother accidentally ran it over with the car or something. <laughs> but regardless, that was the end of that. Huh. Now, do both of you uh, write songs or is that just uh, Jared's field mainly? Uh, we write them together. I come in with the ideas. 
Yeah, I would say Jared's more the songwriter, and together we compose. Yeah, yeah the, with two people, it's definitely not going to happen if both people don't have some influence. On it, so. Yeah, yeah. So when did you start doing that? When did you start writing your own music? Man, I remember being like five and like writing little Easter Bunny songs and stuff. Uh, our parents are both musicians. Oh, really? So it's always been kind of like a free-flowing thing in our house. I don't know if they... I guess actually I got it out of my dad a few years ago. that He, he did write one song, which I never had known before that. But So they weren't really... They didn't really write their own music, but they, they played for about 20 years. And then, uh, so it was just very natural to just always be singing and playing and listening to music and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, and they were they were doing a music ministry too, uh, which is just like the music for church or prayer meetings. Um, but it, in their own way, it's kind of like a gig. So when we grew up, our parents were quote unquote gigging all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think in some way, shape, or form, it goes with Blue Angels. <laughs> I never heard that before. Uh, in some way, I, I think they probably really, really influenced our music career. Huh. Do you think you've ever been able to kind of include this Christian music background into what you guys do, or it's just, it's well, just something completely separate? It has definitely influenced us, but we've been like f f trying to process that kind of a childhood, I think. And uh, we, we changed our name about two years ago. I was gonna say. <laughs> but um, you know, when we first started this band, um, Although I don't think there was much thought put into the name, uh, the Jesus Rehab, which is what it was. It was just like a joke. But right, it was, something it was to shock people. Deep down, no, it was just we had a couple beers and we thought it was funny. <laughs> I guess that yeah, it wasn't like this will make people really offended. I did honestly. I, I think more realistically, I didn't even realize that anybody would ever pay attention to the name. Like it didn't even like seem like you know when you're in your in your mid twenties, you just don't think that other people are like paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah. Which, you know, you didn't which, expect which is why a reaction. It, yeah, you just kind of like do stuff and like it offends people sometimes and uh, and whatnot. Um, but it was starting to weigh on us because that was basically a conversation that was had every single time we did an interview. It was mostly about our name and like yeah. And um, you know, I've kind of gotten through the whole idea of what we you know what we experienced as being kids of parents who were like really into religion and. Just wanted to, you know, didn't really feel like talking about it anymore. Yeah, so wanted to move on. I think it was a, that was basically the main decision, or the, the main factor in why we decided to change the name. It's just like, we just want to talk about music, play music. So who came up with Electric No-No? Uh, together, yeah. Uh, there's actually a band in Tacoma called Radio On who wrote a song called Electric No-No that we heard uh, on a radio show out there by the guy who puts on the show. And I, I honestly... Was an, was unaware of the band, but I heard the song and I thought it was a, I thought it was just a song that he had liked that was you know on the radio a while before. I didn't realize they were a recent band, but it was about there's this picture called Doc Ellis in the 70s. He took a bunch of acid because he didn't know oh, he yeah, had yeah. to pitch, and um, he uh, threw a no hitter, which is when you know you you don't give up any hits for the whole game. Right. He like he played the best game of his life being out of his mind yeah i think he walked like 12 people so it wasn't like the most impressive it wasn't like, a perfect game no hitter yeah, yeah. he like okay. you know, he, it was more because people were afraid of him i think that they were like <laughs> they could tell he was like really messed up on something but um yeah he made it he, he did it um and uh we just thought that was hilarious and uh we liked the name so that was made into the pool and then 
that was better than all the things we were coming up with on our own. So, mm. <laughs> um, the other story is out of homage to this great Tacoma band, Radio On. We decided to name our band after this song. Mm-hmm. We can go with that one too. Cool. But yeah. we met those guys; they're really cool. And they didn't care. Yeah, a lot of good names kind of come out of paying tribute to a past musical artist. Like you name it after one of their songs or an album. Or I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of what I did. Radiohead. My own thing. Yeah, Radiohead from uh, what's that? A Talking Heads song. It is yeah. So you guys have been playing together for seven years now. So what prompted that decision to just siblings join up together to, to do a band? What was the... Uh, you, uh, nothing, you guys came around to accepting romantic. each other's styles? Yeah, I, I had a, another drummer and he moved away to Alaska and Dom had moved. Oh, you just needed a replacement. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was right in the middle of making a record and I was like, dude, you got to play drums for me like and he hadn't played for a couple of years at that point yeah uh, taking a break from, yeah, yeah. from high so school so it was a college. quick like yeah we like busted his butt to get it, it turned out good though hmm. yeah and then um he also plays with my my wife julia massey's band so he was dove right into a bunch of music like when he came to seattle so cool yeah there's a uh there's always a need for drummers around here lots of yeah. bands are looking java security for sure <laughs> if you house them you can be in any band you want yeah Give him a couple drinks. Yeah. What were your, uh, Dom, what were some of your musical projects before you came out here? Like, what were you doing? Was it back in Chicago? Uh, yeah, Chicago area. Um, so we actually grew up in southwest Michigan, and uh, I really got started in bands uh, at the beginning of high school. We did something pretty neat in, in northwest Indiana. We, we myself included, and, and a bunch of other bands, started playing this restaurant basement. And we'd have pretty much weekly shows. And throughout the years, you know, it was four years strong of it. We built a little scene out of it. Um, so I was in a band called Line to Jennifer. Um, I was in a band called New Method. And then I went to college and I um, played a little bit with my roommate buddy, Philer, Philip Tyler. What does he go by? Wallace. Yeah, Tyler Wallace. Philip Oscar Augustine. That's what he goes oh, yeah, by. Yeah, so we did a little bit of that, and then I, I came out here and I started with the Jesus Rehab and Julie Massey. I've played with a few bands, uh, The Great Um, um Thunder Pussy, I, I've filled in for them. So oh, they're pretty big. Yeah, totally. I've played, played here and there, but mainly it's been just these two bands, and that's, that's, a, that's a personal decision to only kind of follow these two bands um, right now. So. Yeah, it's, it can be easy to overextend yourself, Absolutely. get involved in too many different projects. Absolutely. So, Jared, you were the first in your family to come out to Seattle? Yeah. Yeah, I um, graduated from college in Chicago and definitely ready to get out of that city. It's a big city. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, I think there's a lot of great things about Chicago, but the one thing that, like, you know, you just you live somewhere and sometimes after a while just a couple things about it that really stick out to yeah. in your memory. Yeah, yeah. And having to take public transportation to get everything from toilet paper to like food just like wore on me huh. like so much. It took hours. It took hours to do anything and it was just like just totally like depleting all the energy that I had. And hmm. I was very happy moved to a smaller city so I had a buddy out here so I, I moved out we, we we went on some road trips growing up out here too so I knew what to expect it definitely wasn't what I thought it was when I when I had just heard music from here I expected like a bunch of really de- depressed people walking around like you know kind of 
basically how it was branded. Yeah, well, I think it was more that way 25 years ago and changed a lot since then. Well, I moved out here 12 years ago, so there wasn't, I don't think there was a huge shift. I, nothing really had happened in between grunge in that period of time, but now it's way different yeah, yeah. than when I moved here. Now it's totally different because um, of, you know, what's happened in the last five years. But um, yeah, at that time, I was just really pleasantly surprised at how how awesome, how beautiful it was and how happy everybody was and like the sense of community and like people that were just really chill. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, so that's why I came out here. And uh, Dom, you just heard Jared singing Seattle's praises and... Yeah. He sold well, you on it. I was uh I was at a crossroads in college and I was trying to figure out what I was gonna do and I needed a little time off, so I applied for an AmeriCorps program out here. Okay. Um I wanted to do something on the West Coast because our older brother had done an AmeriCorps out here and then Jared was in Seattle, so it's like this would be cool. And um yeah, I got hooked up, played one year, went back to school, dropped out, came back and here we are. And uh so when you guys first started Jesus Rehab uh, and then which later became Electric No-No's. When you first started that seven years ago, had you had a lot of experience playing and writing songs together before or everything sort of started then for you? A little bit. Playing and writing songs? To, together. The two no, years. not together. No. Well, we, we worked on the Scatterbrain demos together. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> so his first EP here, we, we he bounced his ideas off. Well, he kind of, that was that period of time when he was like, do this, do this, do this. Uh, and he would just have me kind of hold down a groove so he could work out some melodies. And that ended up, those songs ended up forming into his first EP. Yeah, that's what I remember. So what's it like being in a band with uh, your sibling versus someone that you met just to do music with is it a totally different dynamic or do you have like sibling mode and then bandmate mode uh yeah it's totally different <laughs> good better things and you know uh things that make it harder it's almost like uh doing a project all by yourself in the sense that there's no boundaries like if you want something as a songwriter if you want the other person to do something the possibility is there to like really put the pressure on to get it done you know you don't mm -hmm. have to like tiptoe around anything yeah but kind also, of like a boss but also that has it you know that has its uh that 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 isn't necessarily the best way to approach a project either so that you know that could put pressure on the band in a, in a negative way too so uh you have to think more about that kind of stuff or if you're playing with just people that are all just musicians even friends or just acquaintances you tend to be more sensitive from the get-go to each other and like give each other their space um, that's been my experience anyways. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think one of the positives is that you, you kind of, the band lasts a lot longer, I think, because we're brothers. It has yeah. lasted a lot longer. You guys aren't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just Leading like, each other's lives. when you feel that maybe it's, it's too much in the moment and you, it's run its course or you're really upset at each other, um, I think in a different band, I, I think I would have quit at, at points for sure. But being brothers helps stick it sticks it makes it stick together, and that has been really awesome. I it, it's fun because you get an opportunity to see, like if we're able to take a step back, we can kind of see how the band moves and transforms and 
how its creative process changes with the length of time. Like that, that's really mm. what, what I think is fun and unique. Because um, not every band lasts seven years. And you say seven, I think it's longer than that now. I think we've been saving seven years for a while. You could just go ahead and say ten <laughs> yeah. years. We'll say yeah. we're we're coming up on like eight or nine years. Um, All right, so almost that, a decade. Uh, yeah, it feels like a long time. Well, you, we were we were been a two piece since two thousand twelve. So that's that's, like, oh, that's, that's like like five years ago. Okay. Okay. So you've only had the same lineup for like five years. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I forget about that. But yeah, so the longevity I think is a unique thing. Um, and then because because we can combine that with what Jared said, where we have less of those boundaries and, and we can really express to each other what we're looking for yeah. in the other person. So you couldn't have, I don't think you could have one without the other. So what do you guys tend to have disagreements about, musically speaking? I think our biggest one is uh, just groove. Like I, being a two-piece, the way I approach it is um, I feel like and I'm actually starting to, to sway on this opinion. I feel like, I was gonna say, I feel like it's more important important to have like, to pay attention to the feel of the song because that's really, you have such few moving parts that you have to like really rely on that. But I, I think that all bands need to do that. So it's not really fair of me to say it's more important as a two piece, but I definitely think about that more than anything. So we argue when I come in with a feel that I think it should be and then Dom doesn't hear it that way. We definitely have had arguments about that. Yeah, the like the tempo and the the rhythm, that sort of thing. Yeah, more where it sits in the pocket. Mm, that's uh, I usually that sort of stuff. I end up deferring to my drummer because I don't <laughs> have any knowledge on uh, on I rhythm think or he keeping would a beat. That but, I do that. <laughs> but yeah, if you're also if you're the songwriter and you have a very specific vision, that's yeah, things and can it, clash, I suppose. Well, that's like um, that's one thing I really try to focus on. For, for both the bands is allowing the lead person to to fulfill their vision. But yeah, I have a vision too when I hear a song, you know, and it pops in my head. I think for the hardest thing musically is, is kind of exactly what Jared said, but it, it becomes an issue for me sometimes at the beginning when he already has a groove in his head that he wants. And then when he starts playing the melody before he describes the groove, I hear something different. Mm. And then I want a chance to flesh that out, but then it's different from what he, his preconceived notion of what it was gonna be like. So that's where I have found a lot of clashing happen. But again, time is like the, the great equalizer. And I feel like he and I now are are really hitting a stride like in the last year and a half and we worked on our communication a lot and that helped and uh, yeah feels good we also argue a lot about drinking and smoking weed during practice not drinking so much <laughs> i don't drink so does that help or hinder things <laughs> well you know it's very nuanced yeah as a musician i'm sure you know there's times where you need everybody to be at full uh, you know, kind of full mental capacity. Yeah, to, like, I kind of like, prefer to have to be that way all the time, personally. But, yeah. But you well, you know, then so there's much. other times, you know, you just kind of like want the creative juices flowing. So that yeah, you're messing one. around a little more. Yeah, you just hit the recorder and like see what you can come up with. So it's like, there's been times where those have kind of like not gone the way that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a friend, uh, a fan of in it a bit. What's that word? Inhibitions. Inhibitions. Thank you. Stuff um, that breaks down your inhibitions. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of letting go and being as creative as possible, especially because we're in a two-piece and yeah. I'm like trying to find all uh, new ways to approach it a lot of time to fill the sound. And I feel like a lot of times I can 
I can find that there. I also like just smoking weed, but I agree <laughs> in general with Jared that we can't get too sloppy. You can't get too sloppy, and it actually isn't that. When there's great music has come out of those sessions, but then the, trying to repeat what was what happened in right, that, so because it's different every the, time. After yeah, record the, everything <laughs> or tap into the feel that you yeah. achieved there. Yeah, that's where the problem happens. It's like do what you did then. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, I, that I, happens I, to me all the time sober. <laughs> yeah, like, right. See, yeah. but yeah, all that stuff. You can you can get through all that stuff with good communication. You really can, and. That's where we are right now. It feels really good. The band feels the best. It's been a long time. So how, how do you feel like the band's evolved over the past however many years you guys have been going? Like, how has the sound evolved over time? Well, we started off with the approach of just like, okay, I guess we're going to be a two-piece. At least we can, you know, we can make ourselves sound like Nirvana at least, you know? I felt like that was a, a, a nice, reasonable goal. Um, then we kind of figured out how to do that with our first record. And we explored a little bit with the magic of pedals and whatnot. You know, you can do a little bit more than that. Um, so we kind of pushed those limits. And then, you know, a lot of our experimentation has come in our rec on our records first. Like, are we going to make a record that we can reproduce perfectly live or not? Mm. And that's kind of pushed the band in different directions. Um, I think that first record we said we want to make a record we can perform perfectly live. Right. Um, and the next record where, well, let's, you know, let's add a couple things to this to like, you know, spice it up a little bit, make an art record. Um, and then this last one, we had no rules and we brought in a producer and, um, you know, uh, and that got a different product. But um, we also, you know, I, I, I really uh, kind of like to think of, I think about music in ways that it, that I like to listen to music and, and whatnot. So like growing up, I like to listen to music. To music when I was in different states of mind you know I also like to listen to music when I took a walk uh, when I was feeling down and I like to miss listening to music on a drive when I'm feeling happy and stuff like that so I think uh, when, we're, when we're putting records together we think about like we imagine what, what we want people to be doing when they listen to our records um, and that's kind of pushed us in different directions yeah so with your latest uh, EP that's Rain City Blue. Mm -hmm. So you want people to be listening on a rainy day? Rainy day. With a cup of indoors, coffee. And with yeah. a cup of coffee in the yeah. morning? Yeah, this is as close as we're going to get to, I think, a record that, that, that will fulfill that kind of niche. I don't know if we nailed it, but I know that it's as close as we can possibly get. Because <laughs> mm. I, like, I hear some, uh, some other people who make super chill, like kind of, uh, what, what's that type of music? Or it just kind of sounds all over the place. Uh, Ambient music? Yeah, more like ambient music. And I, I think I realized from this record that there's no way that we're going to ever make it a record like that. And that's probably the best thing for that kind of a mood, but this is as close as we'll get. You need your vibraphone and your, yeah. uh, your upright bass. And... Yeah, you know, not as many chord changes, probably. Not as many hooks. I just don't know if that's us, but... It's, I think, really hard to make what you're talking about, ambient music, that has hooks. I feel like you got to go with one or the other. Yeah. the nature of ambient music is there's nothing in it that hooks you too much. Mm -hmm. It's more of just the overall atmosphere. And then the pop song is all about bringing you into its world for three or four minutes or whatever. It's hard to match those two totally. concepts, I think. And it's a completely different way of, of writing. You have to be tapped into a different, you know, kind of a different channel uh, to like really know what is going to make it sound good. Yeah. 
So Rain City Blue, that's the one that you said you worked on with a producer. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? That your first time having a producer in, in your recording? Yeah, we, I mean, we've all, always had like an engineer who offered suggestions right? and whatever. Um, so that wasn't totally different. But uh, we worked with, with uh, Julia Massey, my wife. Your wife. So I had, that was great. Again, because, bringing family in <laughs> to the... Yeah, well, I have the utmost respect for her. And, and she, as far as people who can make pop music that does kind of fit that mood that we were going for, um, she has the ability to do that through, you know, her songwriting styles. Um, so I wanted somebody who was kind of like an expert at that. Um, she doesn't make ambient music, but she can kind of tap into that like mm-hmm. in between place where it does have hooks, but it still kind of just takes you on like a really kind of fluid ride and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I wanted somebody to help. Um, and again, you know, we are who we are, so I don't know if we, we really accomplished that, but. Um, I think that it was it was a great experience to like see like how she approaches um, music and how she approaches overdubs and like what she hears, what instrumentation she thinks sounds good and stuff like that. Hmm. And just it was great to have just somebody to be like, does this sound good? Am I hitting the right note here? I think I'm hitting the right note here. I don't know. You know, like even just little things like that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the exper- experience. And did uh, she affect the way you played or recorded drums at all or is that more of a melody thing yeah not really so much i would say melody and overall recording um the vibe and and the sounds we got um she didn't really do too much with me on the drum kit she did advise a lot of percussion stuff which is cool so what kind Um, of percussion were you doing in addition to the the oh just like little tambourine and shaker things and clapping yeah Um, all the fun stuff she just has a lot of like neat ideas but julia Julia, um did an african dance class and an african percussion class uh, when she was in college so she kind of you know has an advanced like kind of rhythm sense of rhythm um i feel like she was kind of adding adding some ideas in there that we wouldn't have thought of that's Um, cool but also our engineer don farwell who's an accomplished musician on his own he, he he was discussing with you more about drum sounds and uh, ideas with that. I feel like you guys came up with some some things that we've never done before. Mm. I'm like on the song 2x2, two two, which is on the record. They want the very small drum sound, um, which we did, hadn't done. You know, we're usually like, like yeah. burly drums. You put like towels on the snare and stuff? No. Keep it dry? No, it was a, it was a small drum set. Oh, okay. When he mic'd it in a different way. Um, and then I, I have, you know, played acoustic on that, which we hadn't done before. Um, definitely overdubbed it with some electric too, but um, it fit that sound better. Um, I feel like it sounded more percussive, and I, I really like that sound, so I liked how that one came out. Yeah, percussion can really bring a song to the next level. It's kind of the often forgotten component in a song that really... Always forgotten. Yeah. It's people kind of underestimate how important the rhythm section can be. Yeah. To really bring a recording into its own. Well, that sounded like that experience worked out. Do you think you'll work with her for the next record? I think I'll def- we'll definitely work with somebody. I, I don't want to put that pressure on her, honestly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's probably just a one-off thing. And we'll find, we have a lot of friends in the community that I'd like to work with. So nice. Uh, we'll probably do, 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 uh, work with somebody else. As far as the rest of the year goes, do uh, Electric No-No have any goals in particular? Are you guys uh, going to try to be playing yeah. Out and about pretty soon. Or? Well, our main goal is um, is we're gonna we want to release another record as soon as possible. Uh, okay. This, so this is just a warm up. Well, this uh, well, well this record is a part of a much larger 
group of new songs that we had um, that we just picked from. And we went and released oh, another you, record so you got a lot to release the other stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and this is more of the chill record, and the next one's going to be more of what we normally put out, which is what we call Muscle Pop. Muscle Pop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're just trying to do some shows, going out of town a lot, just to get ready for that record. Cool. Yeah, I look forward to hearing more. So there's Jock Rock and Muscle Pop. Yes. <laughs> jock Rock, yeah. So they... It's not Jock Rock. Yeah. Muscle Pop's like, we think Weezer. Is muscle uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Weezer is muscle pop. I won't say for Jared. I, I think it's muscle pop because we're trying to play pop music, but you know, like I scream on some songs. Right. It kind of sounds like something a little bit less fragile. Yeah, because Weezer's like, oh, those guys just look kind of dorky. Oh, why is that guitar so loud? Those drums are really thundering, but they're not like, yeah, jocks or like 80s yeah. macho people by any exactly. means. Exactly. It's all right. Muscle pop. Yeah. That works. Um, yeah, well, thanks again, guys, so much for coming over here. Yeah. Let's hope this heat wave cools down eventually. Yeah, well, you always jump Probably in Lake Washington. Yeah, or Green Lake, I've heard, is nice. Oh, you're on your own with that one. <laughs> you get the itch, <laughs> Not a man. You gotta watch out for the itch in Green Lake. Oh, uh, is there algae in there or something? No, they just call it the Green Lake itch. It's a swimmer's itch, yeah. Swimmer's it's just, yeah. It's just, it doesn't flush, you know? It's a man-made lake, so there's no uh, filth. Yeah, so they just... And it's just best to shower <laughs> afterwards. Okay. I think there's a lot of uh, geese poop in there. Or uh, poop <laughs> yeah, all right. Maybe I'll stick to Lake Washington. Then. Just shower. <laughs> yeah. That was Jared and Dominic Cortez. Two cool dudes. Seems like they get along pretty well. I didn't notice any sibling rivalry. Sorry for all the noise that was going on for that one. Uh... Normally I keep the door closed to the other room, but it was just so darn hot. I had to have the air conditioner going the whole time. And yeah, I did not know about those uh, jet planes that were gonna be having a special day flying right over my building, so whatever. If you liked this episode of Talking About the Passion, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Sign up for the Niagara Moon mailing list for weekly updates on the podcast and for my musical project, Niagara Moon, Go to niagaramoonmusic.com, scroll down, and enter in your email address. Simple as that. Find the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at TATP Podcast and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you would like to write to me with any suggestions, questions, or comments about the podcast, you can email tatppodcast at gmail.com. The theme song for Talking About the Passion is the Niagara Moon song Pantheon Bar off my recent album, Eating Peaches. To wrap up the episode now, I'm going to play two more electric no-no songs. The first is called Evil Eye off their 2014 album, The Zoo at Night, followed by another track from the Rain City Blue EP called 40 Foot Tall. See you next Wednesday. <laughs>